Good morning, Patriots, and welcome to the Patriots Prayer Podcast. I have my co-host with me today, Nat Hong. How are you doing, Nat? Excellent. Thank you, Eddie. Good to be here. Well, we're, we're here to discuss something near and dear to our hearts, and um, we're, we're going to go in depth. Um, the material that uh, Nat has provided me with today um, is just, it, it's amazing. It's eye-opening, and we're going to be talking about the dangers of communism and Marxism and how they cloak themselves uh, as something to which they really aren't. And as we gather here today, it's crucial to reflect upon an ideology that has dominated many debates and historical moments, as well as ideology. It claims to champion the rights of the working class, promising a society free of exploitation and inequality. That ideology is communism and its foundation philosophy, Marxism. Karl Marx and his works projected a version, or excuse me, a vision of a classless society where the proletariat would rise, overthrow uh, the, you know, it, 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 it overthrow the status quo, overthrow those in charge, overthrow the rich, overthrow the powerful, and create a state where everyone would benefit equally from the resources and the production of a utopia, if you will, right? But like all utopias, the reality of its implementation is often strayed from its intended vision. Throughout the 20th century, we've seen several attempts to establish Marxist communities in society. And it's upon examining these real-world instances that we look at the inherent dangers thereof. Countries that sought to put these principles into practice more often than not witness the oppressive regimes that stifled freedoms, both economically as well as personally, people were all affected. The great irony is that the quest for equality, communism, is often led to the rise of the new elite. The bureaucratic class which has controlled the levers of power for all too long, leaving the majority in the very shackles they sought to escape. The freedom of dissent to choice the choice of one's opinion to embark on an to embark on entrepreneurial endeavors was frequently curtailed by history's witness of millions who suffered under the weight of the dogmatic approach from the purges in the Soviet Union to the famines in China to the oppressive regimes in Cambodia as well as North Korea. It's also crucial that we differentiate between Marxism as a theory and its real-world application. Some argue true Marxism has never been tried, while others believe that it's laws make it impossible to without sacrificing rights as well as personal ownership. Nevertheless, we, we reflect on its ideologies and it's essential not to demonize or oversimplify but critically analyze. We recognize the genuine concern about economic disparities and get that gave rise to these thought patterns while also acknowledging the dire consequences when they're executed without checks or balances. The conclusion is, is while ideas should always be open for the debate and discussion, history serves as a vital lesson as to the dangers that the ideology 
that has taken its to it, any ideology taken to its extreme, including communism and Marxism, as well as with all things. Balance and moderation coupled with unyielding respect for individual rights, freedoms, remain paramount, which is why we fight this fight that we do against communism and against Marxism. Nat, I often say that Socialism and communism, um, by their very practice in the United States, are sedition. You cannot. Yeah, have... they're, they're, Go ahead. To me, they're one and the same. <laughs> and, uh, you know, what we're going to get into is the first two chapters of the uh, video series. Uh, there's a 10 part video series on the Epic Times. Uh, it's called How the Specter of Communism is Ruling Our World, and you can find that through the epictimes.com. And this uh, comes from a book, The Nine Commentaries on the Communist Party, that was written in 2004. And then the Epic Times just uh, gave us more details uh, and put it in video form. Well, it, it goes without saying, and I say this. Uh, in every episode you're in and many others uh, we started our, our our this all started off the ground with us looking for play our hardest thing starting the Patriots prayer podcast was looking for sources that weren't just regurgitating the norm and the everyday that you could get watching Fox and CNN or anyone else it seemed like nobody was digging any deeper than the surface just enough to keep people entertained and not asking too many questions. And so we found the Epic Times, and it opened uh, for us uh, our eyes to many such things. Um, We saw real journalism and practice. We saw people, uh, you know, on the scene, out there digging into the things that we sought to understand, but nobody felt it necessary to explain so, uh, you know, we're very... Well, I feel like that's part of the propaganda that they actually push on the world, including their own people. They spend the most amount of money on propaganda. Yeah, it, and it's... A lot of times, us in the United States, we like to point fingers at third world nations and act as if we're not implementing the same tactics that those regimes to which we're complaining about have already done by going after our political opponents and jailing them, uh, giving out baseless accusations and having the media back up said baseless accusations while ignoring um, the actual faults and criminal activity of one particular political party. And we're seeing this more and more and more um, in this country where the people are being used as pawns to garner power, votes, clout uh, for certain individuals in government, and they don't realize that they're being used as pawns. And so that's why this series that they put together, uh, it it just goes to the heart of what we're talking about. And I want to play this first clip so people get an understanding of what we're going to be getting into here and uh, understanding exactly what, uh, how Marxism came about, what it is, and the dangers thereof so let's take a listen and learn exactly what the dangerous part is about this whole thing 
Many of the prophecies foretold in Orthodox religions have come to pass, as have the predictions made by Nostradamus and prophecies passed down in cultures around the world. From Peru to Korea, there have been surprisingly accurate prophetic texts throughout Chinese history, from the Han to the Ming dynasties. These prophecies tell us the important truth that history is no coincidental process, but a drama in which the sequence of major events has already been pre-established. In the end of times, which could also herald the beginning of a new historical cycle, all religions of the world are awaiting one thing, the arrival of the Creator in the human realm. All dramas have a climax. Though the devil has made its arrangements to destroy humankind, the almighty Creator has his means of awakening the world's people, helping them escape the devil's bondage and offering them salvation. Today, unfolding in the final epoch before the Creator's appearance is the ultimate battle between good and evil. Orthodox religions the world over have foretold that in the era of the Creator's return, the world would be awash with demons, abominations, and ominous events as humanity lost its moral restraints. This is none other than the world of today. The state of degeneration we face today has been long in the making. It began hundreds of years ago with the rise of its core driving force, atheism and the deception of humanity. It was Karl Marx who created an ideology to encompass the deception in all its permutations. And it was Vladimir Lenin who put the theory into brutal practice. So there's the beginnings. There is the entire esoteric uh, outline for uh, what, what we know to be true. I mean, it starts off by talking about prophetic writings from all different uh, backgrounds and realms. Um, me, of course, subscribing to the Christian Judeo version of the end times or eschatology. Um, I'm quite aware of most of the things that we see happening today, like you said, are very prophetic. Um, the Euphrates River is drying up just as it was uh, said it would in, in Revelation 16.2. Um, the kings of the east, which would be China at that point, would be marching ready for war. This is what we're seeing happening today. We see the rise of communism and the divide uh, uh, between peoples as they're employing the same tactics that Mark, Marx wrote about in, his man, in the Communist Manifesto right here in the United States today. Um, you're seeing it in practice. And like he said, it was, it's disguised as a human, humanitarian act for the benefit of all. Um, and it hides under that, uh, that term, that evil term, equity. Yeah, the playbook, it's uh, <laughs> turning out exactly as um, it's been planned out in the Communist Manifesto. We shouldn't really be surprised, but because we're not made aware and we've never really studied uh, what the intentions were, and now, when we understand it, it's so obvious what's going on uh, on the surface right now, all this craziness. So it's a culmination of over four decades of Chinese Communist Party attack on the United States. Yeah, I mean, they're, the they're in it for the long term. This is, this is not a, I mean, China, as far as their tactics to get their tentacles into the United States, did not try to do it overnight. It was done over a very long period of time. It was very slow. Yeah very methodical it was thought out and um 
you know, I think I, I, the, the weakness as well as the strength of the United States is in our conscience, right? Uh, uh, to, to the extreme, it can be naivety, right? Yes. And, 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 and on the other side, it, it, can, it, it can just mean compassion. Yeah, the U.S. has never experienced this. And I, I don't like to call it China because it's not true China. It's the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party. Right, uh, which, which is, is completely the opposite, opposite of, of true China. China. Right. So what they like to do the moment that you point out uh, any any part of that, it, it would be more like uh, them saying, how can I put this? The moment you criticize them, it's just like when you criticize George Soros. When you criticize George Soros, they call you an anti-Semite because they try to overlook what it is you're actually saying. When you criticize China for their tactics, they call you a xenophobe. And th this is, I mean, you're neither you're neither xenophobic, nor are, are you, uh, you know, anti-Semitic to point out um, the ideology that would up and end and overthrow your culture, country, way of life, and all of that. Uh, it's just a smoke screen and, a, and, a, and an invisible force field that they like to throw up in front of you so that you don't criticize somebody due to uh, what they like to misuse the term or misuse uh, the uh, social construct of race. And, uh, you know, it, it happens more often than not. I mean, how often do you find yourself getting in, into an, a discussion with, uh, a leftist or socialist, and they immediately um, try to throw you into a box of a homophobe, a racist, or something like that to try to discredit Precious. the they, yeah they they to try to discredit the argument you're placing forth, but because they can't argue with you about the issue, right? This is the, this is the rule for the radical, right? This is the Solalinsky way of. Um, teaching people to argue, blame your enemy for what you do, um, you know, drum up support, even if it means lying openly about your enemy, put so much disinformation into the ether that people can't tell what's real from what's fake. And all the yeah, while... All the spiritual practices that the CCP has attacked, uh, they, they legitimize their attack by calling all these spiritual practices cults. But when we really examine what a cult is, they're the, the true cult. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> they're, they're the ones that cause people to suffer, uh, you know, to, to starve, to die, eventually die, uh, and they're enslaved along the way. Uh, who's the cult? <laughs> if you can't question, right? If you, can't, if you can't question what someone's doing. If you can't question their ideology, if they, if they have a, a point of view, a perspective that you're not allowed to challenge, um, that should tell you who the enemy is right there. That should tell you who to fear right there. The ones who you're not allowed to criticize, those are the people that you need to be watching. Exactly. And, and, that's, and that's really what this is. I mean, we dealt with this in our last podcast where we talked about them pouring money into, I believe in this instance, was the Oklahoma uh, Oklahoma school district. And thank God they had a superintendent in the state that was actually worth his salt and stood up to it. But 
he he proved beyond any shout that there any doubt that their uh, lesson plans within the school part of it were uh, part of what they were to teach was uh, well omit let's say teach just say not teach as well right they couldn't teach on Tiananmen Square they couldn't they couldn't say any anything bad about the the CCP whatsoever. So they weren't allowed to demonize communism and socialism, but they were taught as alternate political theories. And as I stated, even before when we started this, is they are not alternative political theories. In order for them to be enacted, the free market and the freedom that you, in capitalism, everything that we have created here in the United States as a an, an incentive-based system where the person who does uh, or works the hardest gets the reward, right? The one who stands out from the rest. Well, that doesn't happen in a communistic society. And in some communistic societies, you don't even get to choose what you do for a living. It's assigned to you. You're, you're just, a, just a pawn in, in the game played by very few at the top who do actually get to have the power and live the lavish life and that sort of thing. Cause I mean, it wasn't that long ago. Um, Venezuela was a, a, a very well-to-do country, a very well-to-do country, many resources, everything, but their, their, their decline came through the devaluing or, or inflation of their money. And they, and they just printed so much money so fast that, they essentially made the money in that country worth nil. And the people that were once middle-class citizens and they were able to have chicken every night for dinner if they wanted to, now they, they can't even, that's a delicacy to ever have if you get that. So it's, you know, we're, we're seeing and we have seen over and over again historically um, how bad implementing implementing the ideology of communism can be and will be, it has never succeeded. Never succeeded. So I'm going to play, the next part of what I'm going to play here is talks about the, um, the true belief system and where Karl Marx derives his inspiration. You would think it would be from some old practice of mysticism or or some old esoteric religion it's not it's good old plain satanism that's that's who he worshiped he worshiped satan um i had no idea about that until nat told me you were the one who, who, who filled me in on that but this goes a little deeper guys take a listen to what what they're saying marx however was not an atheist he followed the devil's cult and became the demon whose mission was to prevent man from recognizing the creator in the end times. One, Marx's satanic works. Marx published many books throughout his life, the best known being the 1848 Communist Manifesto and the three volumes of Das Kapital, published between 1867 and 1894. These works formed the theoretical basis for the communist movement. What is less widely known is that Marx's life was a process in which he turned over his soul to the devil and became its agent in the human realm. So that's a pretty wild claim, right? That he literally 
not figuratively, but literally has sold his soul? Is that my understanding of what they're saying here? Yeah, the irony is he started out being a devout uh, Christian the first half of his life. That's right. And, and then once he uh, st you know, started the socialist path, he was trying to find a way to, to reach the level of God. So it goes in more detail. Well, do you know any more as far as his Christian years and that sort of thing and what? Uh, so my understanding, he was born into a Jewish family. Uh, they converted to Christianity. So in the first, during his childhood, the first half of his life, he would write on his, his love for God. Hmm. But then once you know, he went to college, and that kind of sounds uh, familiar with modern day. Yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 it's the same story all too often. Um, if you're going to lose your country and you're, 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 you're going to do it in the education system, that, that's really where it is. That's, that's the end all be all. That's where you're shaping and it's, it's all part of that. Yeah. It's all part of that agenda. So I, I believe in here, I saw some of that where they were talking about, he was a Christian and here's that clip, I believe. In his youth, Marx had been a devout Christian. He was an enthusiastic believer in God before being overcome by his demonic transformation. In his early poem, Invocation of One in Despair, Marx wrote of his intent to take revenge on God. So a God has snatched from me my all in the curse and rack of destiny. All his words are gone beyond recall. Nothing but revenge is left to me. On myself, revenge I'll proudly wreak. On that being, that enthroned Lord, make my strength a patchwork of what's weak. Leave my better self without reward. I shall build my throne high overhead. Cold, tremendous shall its summit be. For its bulwark, superstitious dread. For its martial, blackest agony. Writing to his father, Marx that is, I mean, that's bone chilling. Build his, build build his, his throne, throne, right? He uh, wanted to become God. And this is this is exactly what Satan did. He said that he was going to build his throne higher than God. He's echoing the sentiment of Satan himself, and yeah. it, it's <laughs> it, it's pretty. I mean, when you hear it from someone who literally believed it as I, I don't, I, I don't understand how anyone can relate because in order to believe this, you have to believe there's a God to, to, to not just be an atheist, but to be a Satanist. But why in the world would anyone think that the end all be all entity, the alpha and the omega, the one from which life springs, you have, a snowball's chance in the hell of winning the fight. You sooner or later are going to lose your life. And when you do, you're going to have to face him. I just don't understand what runs through the mind of somebody who wants to go to war with something they have no chance of winning against. I mean, 
what kind of hatred must be in your heart to not care whether you live and die, not only in this life, but the next? Yeah, to me, it's ego, right? <clears throat> That's a tremendous ego. That always... <laughs> Right. That always brings out the selfishness of man. And that's the this human test to choose the path between good and evil. And, and, and you can really see um how how they put it into practice. And I don't want to go and get get in front of some of these things because some of these videos are so are so telling and they're so similar to what we're going through today. Um and and we'll relate them as, as well to what they're doing today. Now, he starts writing a lot of these poems. And in the poem, and the poetry is extremely dark. Um, and in this one, A Pale Maiden, he talks about how he turns his back on God. And it's, like I said, these things are, are really telling as to who he is. His poem, The Pale Maiden, Marx wrote... Thus heaven I've forfeited, I know it full well. My soul, once true to God, is chosen for hell. Mark so he tells you, I know that I've gone past the point of no return, and I'm okay with that. I've given up my chance at eternity. So he's admitting, even in this work that he did, that he knows that there is a death beyond this death that awaits him, and he embraces it. He's okay with that. I mean, I, I really, that's why I said, I, that's the part about all of this which I don't understand. And, and the funny thing is, is though, at and least... amazingly... Go ahead. The atheism that is pushed in China on the school kids, every single day they pledge their lives to the Communist Party, the party leader. But little do they know that they're pledging their souls. That's... At least in their case, I'll give them this. In their case, they didn't know Christ or any other deity first to turn their back on them to the degree that this guy understands eternity. And he understands he just damned himself by what he did at least the school Absolutely. children can plead ignorance a little bit you know they're 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 not as educated they didn't know christ and turn their back and or any of these types of things I, I, that that's something that it's like when you when you delve into the mind of a serial killer or a sociopath you want to know what makes them tick why they do the things they do when you look at the person of Karl Marx, you really have to ask yourself what made him do these things. And if it wasn't for that, and, and the fact that so many people actually today follow his philosophy and talk about him as if he was some kind of genius, that just ignore an entire portion of this man's life and belief system um, in order to push the things on people that they know are evil. You know, uh, one of my favorite uh, podcasters, uh, Dan Bongino, has this thing he says, and I've, I've said it too, and he only affirmed what I, what I said was true. Um, he says that no one's more ashamed of liberalism than liberals are. 
So the things they do, they do in the dark. Because when you explain to them their own motives, which they really have, they get offended at their own motives. If, if, you, if you actually confront them with them. There have been times where they're on the Senate floor or the congressional floor where um, when confronted with their own bills and laws and the reasons behind people opposing them where they get up and walk out and they don't want to hear. They don't want to hear the things they support. It's, it, and, but yet they support them. It's, it's amazing to me that they do that. Now, you, you had talked about his family converting to Christianity um, and, and him turning his back on Christianity. And his dad actually um, spoke about this to him and about what he considered him to be uh when he considered him to be a great man not by the stature by which uh he ends up in this life but by his heart his motives and his spirit and his dad confronts him in this letter right here on march 2nd 1837 his father wrote to him quote your advancement the dear hope of seeing your name someday of great repute and your earthly well-being are not the only desires of my heart these are illusions I had had a long time, but I can assure you that their fulfillment would not have made me happy. Only if your heart remains pure and beats humanly, and if no demon is able to alienate your heart from better feelings, only then will I be happy. I, I couldn't have said it better myself. Wow, yeah. His dad was dead on. His dad um, made the case that most parents uh, would make as well. I mean, I, I would love for any one of my daughter's uh, grandson, what have you, to become uh, head of their class, master of their industry, whatever it may be. But if I had to choose whether or not, um, you know, they would walk into the fiery pits of hell for doing it, I, I would rather them be poor and be rich at heart than be rich and just walk right into hell as a result of how they live their lives. And That's totally correct, yeah. This human experience is to raise our heart consciousness, letting go of the self, the ego, because what we're doing is for others, actually. It's a painful experience that you're talking about right there. That's a, that's an extremely painful experience. I know I've been through that. It's the time of your life when you stop making excuses, when you sit there and you start saying that, well, I did that. And, and, and you don't start your sentences off well with, but I was famous for this, that when I was, you know, uh, in, in, in one of the first relationships I had growing up with my now wife of 30 years, and we've been through the ringer, and, you know, we were just remarried again on August 14th. Um, Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, it was a long time coming. Uh, she deserved that grandiose wedding that she always wanted. But the process of growing up, uh, of becoming a man uh, and, and understanding oneself, right? Know thyself, right? And you are your own worst enemy. These are all things that, uh, we also know, we also know physician heal thyself, right? So we, we, we also are some, of, in some cases, our own best practitioner. But the first thing we need to do 
before we're able to get to that part of ourselves in which uh, we, that can affect real change, not just change on the surface. Um, you have to get through these walls uh, made up of ego and pride. And you have to accept that you're fallible and you have to tell the truth on yourself. When you want to defend yourself, you just don't. And you get yourself, you, you tear yourself down to this bare version of who you are, this baseline of who you are. And then from there, from that absolutely, that vulnerable position, you can build yourself back into something that's more sustainable. Jesus talked about it in the Gospels where he said, uh, build your house on solid ground, on rock, because when the winds come, it'll shake, but it won't fall. But if you build your house on the sand, the storms will come and the wind will blow and your house will fall. And that that's exactly what he's talking about, right? And, and But in today's terminology, they say, be real. <laughs> they just boiled it down into two words be real so and going back to that agenda it's pushing materialism pushing the self and the external happiness which when you even achieve all that stuff most people aren't happy so the improvement to raise our consciousness oh, i mean yeah without a, a doubt path, right it, it's looking within it's being self-critical. Uh, what did I? How can I correct myself? How can I do better? Yeah, it's it's really yeah. How can I be better? How can I do better? Um, how exactly. can I? How can I take the changes that I've been able to uh, make in my life through just discipline, and then turn them into who I am, not just what I do, right? That's that's the birthplace of. Anyone who uh, takes, for instance, a Christian walk, uh, a lot of it is trying to understand who God is. But in the beginning of that, you're imitating what you know to be right. Long before your heart gets to where your head is, you have to, to go through the actions and train yourself. So that's that's the process. First, it's imitation. Then, you know, it's it becomes who you are. It, it permeates the rest of who you are. But you have to be honest with yourself. And tell the truth about who you are at heart, not who you want to be. You have to look in the mirror and realize that you're you're really not shortchanging anyone else but yourself every time you lie. You're you're not hurting anybody. You're not fooling anyone. Yeah, usually you're not that gaining anything. Path of self improvement requires us to suffer. Yeah, that's really when we learn. So there's an ancient principle. It's to, it's to, in order to gain, one must lose. That's right. Meaning nothing comes for free, right? That's it has right. to be earned. Nothing is for free. It, it's, it's you know, I, I'm on this diet journey, this perpetual diet journey. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I love, uh, I love pie. I, I mean, I'd, I don't even like cake. I'd have a birthday pie if given my own druthers. Um, I, as a matter of fact, when we got married, I said, do they make a wedding pie? My wife just, you know, wanted to pop me in my head for that one. But, you know, I it's it's that sacrifice of not eating those things and not doing those things and pushing myself day in and day out. Even when, hey, no one's looking, I could eat this, but I, but I don't. Um, it, it's being true to yourself. You know, it's doing this right here, taking the time to inform people, to warn people, to educate people 
of the dangers of socialism and Marxism takes a sacrifice of the time that we have to put into these things to learn about them to a point where we feel like we're qualified enough to explain them to other people, to warn them. And, and more than that, they talk about mandate, this vaccine mandate, mass mandate, all these mandates. But you and I have a different mandate. We have a mandate to get the truth out there. We have a mandate to stand up um, to the evil that permeates today's society, to the lawlessness, to the lovelessness, to the selfishness um, that we're seeing. These people don't care about their fellow citizens and humans. They don't. They run through the streets and smash and grab and rob old people, and, and, and they just have no conscience about it. The other day I saw a video uh, that happened right here in Las Vegas, Right where I'm at, uh, a couple of kids stole the car, and you know, like they were playing GTA or something, and they were running around town filming themselves as they ran over people who were on bikes and things like that. Like it, like it was a video game. They had no conscience whatsoever about it. And it, it's amazing to me that we've reached a point in history where the love and compassion and the empathy necessary for a functional society for the first time ever ever has been measurably so low that i mean we can't even today let our children play out front outside of our view when you and i were young my mother and father get outside i don't want to see you in here you know not until it's dark stay out there what are you doing don't be in here we were told get out of the house don't be here today. It's like, don't be, you know, anywhere where I can't see you. Where were you at constantly? Because you have to be. The world is, is a dangerous place. Even in the safest neighborhoods, you have to make sure you know where your children are, who's around them, and what's going on all the time. Sending your kids to school is dangerous. You know, you have to be worried about going to the mall. You have to, it's, it's a different world and it all stems from the tenets of the things Marx wrote about and he pushed and that we're seeing pushed currently today in this society. Now, even his daughter tells a tale of him indoctrinating her with horrid children's, children's stories when she was growing up and to the point where she, well, let, let her, let him tell it, let him tell it. Here we go. <laughs> Marx's daughters wrote that when she was young, Marx told her and her sisters many fairy tales. Her favorite was the meandering story of Hans Röckle, a wizard who was always short of cash and had no choice but to sell off his lovely puppets to the devil. What Marx sold to the devil in exchange for his success was his own soul. Describing himself in The Fiddler, Marx wrote, How so? I plunge, plunge without fail my blood-black saber into your soul. That art god neither wants nor wists. It leaps to the brain from hell's black mists. Till hearts bewitched, till senses reel, with Satan I have struck my deal. He chalks the signs, beats time for me. I play the death march fast and free. So, in that, I think the narrator got some of it wrong. Or, not wrong, but I think he omitted an entire uh, portion behind the, the actual meaning of what he, what he talked about there, about the meaningless puppets being sold by the wizard who was uh, broke, right? So he's talking about his children. 
he's telling his children that that they're they they could be sacrificed if necessary. He's talking to them about them, and he's telling it to them in a children's story that he made up, but it was truly an allegory of something that he would have played out in real life. I mean, it, it, this also uh, goes to say about how they feel about people who take up their cause and fight for what they believe to be noble, but they're actually being used in a much larger game, and they're able to be sacrificed but for the cause. But keep in mind, the people who are never sacrificed in this you know, fight for the cause are the people at the top, the ones who push the agenda on everyone else. It's only the poor. It's only the destitute and those who are that don't know. Those are the ones that are sacrificed. Well, there's an irony of so many tribal peoples who have sacrificed children, children to their so-called God, but that can't be a good God. Is that a satanic ritual? You know, we have the destruction of the Mayans, the Mayan calendar. Uh, 2012 was supposed to be their fifth destruction. But looking at tribes all over uh, the world, uh, those that seem ancient in their history, uh, they've likely gone through many cycles of destruction because when you're walking down the wrong path, um, you're, how, can you, how can the heavens allow you to continue? Yeah, did, uh, are you able to hear me? Can you hear me? Matt, are you able to hear me? I can hear okay. you now. Okay, so Christ talked about that as well. Um, in, in a very simple little thing, uh, a simple little proverb, more or less. Um, he said that uh, not, no bad fruit can come from a good tree. Right. And he said, no good fruit can come from a bad tree. So you can, if you're lying, cheating, and stealing all in an effort to do something that you deem is noble, the fruit from that action is not going to be noble. And it's propped up on something that eventually is going to have to be uh, propagated even further. Or you're just going to be called out and exposed for being a phony. Uh, I I advocate for the latter. <laughs> yeah, those gains that came from from evil, how can that be kept, right? Yeah, you're 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 not ever going to convince me that you you did whatever evil you did for a good reason, for a good cause. Yeah. You know, and I know that that's very hard for some people to understand. I know uh, we have compromised ourselves into a corner, uh, you know, societally. Our, our government, I'm sure, has compromised itself with every other adversarial country uh, that we have in the nation by some deal or another. Look, we just gave Iran $6 billion or something um, and, and then tried to justify it saying it wasn't ransom money. But this is the same thing Obama did. He gave them hundreds of millions of dollars, and he and he delivered it to them on a on an airplane in cash, in cash uh, on a on a on a skit. You know, it, it was amazing to me that they they did this in an effort to get up hostages when they didn't have to, 
I mean, we didn't give up anything to get hostages uh, under Trump. Um, but they're, they're doing it because people, whether or not they want to believe it, the ideology of the people in power right now, this administration, does not truly differ from the people they say they're fighting against. Jesus said, you'll know them by their fruits. And his fruits are putting his political opponents in prison, levying false charges, spending the money that you have into oblivion, getting rid of roles in society, having topless trans parties on the White House lawn while advocating for drug use because he sent out uh, paraphernalia kits, including crack pipes, to people. And all while his own son suffered from a cocaine addiction. Meanwhile, cocaine was also found at the White House. I mean, you, you know who these people are by their fruits, right? That's it, that's it, plain and simple. And the fruits that this administration is is producing are this are the same exact fruits as we're we look down our noses at people like Putin for, and now Zelensky is being deified, but all the while he's no different. He is no different than Putin. He's no different than the people he claims to fight against. But so um, we're we're going to talk about the how Marx uh, wanted a wanted to be not just um, like God. He wanted to be above God. He wanted to be more than God. He was truly on this journey to elevate himself above the stature that of God. And here's another Marx. clip. To Author talk Robert about that. Payne wrote that the stories Marx told might be taken as an allegory for his own life, and that he seemed to be knowingly acting on the devil's behalf. Marx's soul turned to evil. In his rage against God, he joined the devil's cult. The American political philosopher Eric Vogelin wrote, quote, Marx knew that he was a God creating a world. He did not want to be the creature. He did not want to see the world in the perspective of creaturely existence. He wanted to see the world from the point of the coincidentia oppositorum, that is, from the position of God. So there it is. He wanted to be God. He didn't want to look at the world, you know, through the rule. He wanted to be the ruler. He wanted to set those rules. Except for one thing. He lacked one thing, immortality. And he knew it. And that is still going to always haunt me as far as trying to understand the person of Karl Marx. Why he thought any of the things that he was doing were actually going to benefit him in any way. He didn't care. His true motivation was to tear down and destroy. As you'll see uh, over the next uh, half of this podcast is that he literally wanted to tear down the states tear down anything good if you had a, a, a good neighborhood a part of town or whatever it was burn it down burn down the coliseum because i can't afford to buy tickets to go see that show so why does it matter let's burn it all down let's get rid of the statues let's get rid of the history let's get rid of the culture sound familiar yet sound real familiar doesn't it so we're, we're going to look at the inspiration of the intent behind what he was actually theories doing. referenced the work of previous intellectuals, but ultimately originated from the evil specter. He wrote in the poem on Hegel, since I have found the highest of things and the depths of them also, rude am I as a God, 
cloaked by the dark like a god. By the specter's arrangement, Marx entered the human world and established the cult of communism to corrupt human morality with the intention that mankind would turn on gods and doom themselves to eternal torment in hell. Two, Marxism's historical context. In order to spread Marxism, the evil specter laid down various intellectual and social foundations. We will examine these two components that serve as the context for the rise of communism. Scholars believe that Marx's theory was deeply influenced by Hegel and Ludwig Feuerbach. So, intellectualism is often disguised as, you know, it, it wears the intellectual disguise. You, know, you get professors from Stanford, now even MIT, UC Berkeley, um, and many other colleges. Uh, and if you're familiar with Christopher Hitchens, he was one of the best speakers intellectually so that I had ever heard. Devout atheist, complete devout atheist. They use secularism and reason uh, to tear down anything that they don't understand, can't see, feel, and touch. And they use that in such a way to convince people, especially on a college level, that how could God exist? How could there be a God? Look at the world we live in. Look at cancer for babies and war and famine and all these things. All the while taking no responsibility at all for any of those things that take place in the world when we're the ones in it. Yet they blame God for it. And that's, that's most of their excuse of why, what they try to say uh, in an effort to prove to us that God does not exist. And if he does exist, that he doesn't give a damn about humanity. What's your take on it? To me, at the most basic level, how can nothing create life, create consciousness and thoughts? So you have to question just that very essence right there. Uh, and, and that's what I've uh, come to enlighten to. There has to be creation. And likely there could be creation from many different levels. Well... I, I think that it, it it's so basic and so easy. It scares people. It's, it's <laughs> I mean, it's it's really basic. You have a daughter. Yes. At at some point or another, you were w w with a woman in order to have created said daughter. I have two. Yeah. Same way. People did not miraculously appear out of nothing because if they had, anything would have just miraculously appeared out of nothing we would have seen more of that in the last several thousand years. If evolution, not adaptation, were factual and an actual science, we would have also seen evidence of that in the last several thousand uh, recorded years that we have. We don't have one instance of anything evolving from one thing into another. We do exactly. have, so yeah, we do have adaptation, biology. though. I was indoctrinated, and uh, <laughs> but I questioned at the time, why is there only one skeleton of Lucy? Yeah. There should be thousands of Lucys, right? But then why aren't there anything between apes to Lucy and then Lucy to modern man? Mm -hmm. And then if we look at it even more critically, 
why don't we see any apes in the process of evolving from man now? Correct. It was, was it a one-time fluke. I, I I do not believe it was a fluke. Um, I, <laughs> I believe that we were there were just different versions of humanoids. Only one hominid, meaning uh, Homo sapien, but. I'm not saying that Neanderthal man didn't exist, and I'm not saying Cro-Magnon man did not exist. But what I'm saying is, is that they were different versions or types. Like you have a mouse and you have a rat. You have a chihuahua and you have a pit bull. They're all dogs, but they're different types. So we have instances of Cro-Magnon man or Neanderthal, I don't quote me on which, breeding with the homo, homo sapiens. And we have we have them actually where we where we excavated them, we found them together huddled together, with their child who was um, a hybrid of the two, and and many uh, people's DNA today we find remnants of Neanderthal and Cro-Magnon man embedded in DNA to humans today because they bred together along the way. So it, yeah, I think we'll understand eventually why that happened. The different type of uh, species of mankind, but um, what they claimed as Lucy was a, a nothing else ever existed like Lucy. It was neither Cro-Magnon or Neanderthal. Yeah, I, I forget that I did see um, some take on what scientists were now terming uh are you for are you familiar with uh david reeves creation in the 21st century no so um david reeves is a creationist and he uh, practices the science of creation and what he, what he what he talks about is the age of the earth and how they lie about how old the earth actually is and um, and he and he and he does it quite skillfully. Um, he he proves that the uh, the 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 Grand Canyon, for instance, right? The Grand Canyon, uh, there are entire tops of mountain ranges that are taken off. They're found miles away, continents away. Some some of the stone and some of the things that they found that were just washed. You can see where the water flew past the rocks so fast like you power washed it like you power sprayed it the different sediment and different layers you can see that this was a result of a global flood there's no doubt right i even think we talked at one point or another that the chinese uh symbol for the word flood is eight men in a boat this was <laughs> this was you know it's it went through every culture they, they even wrote there are other writings about the global flood called the epic of gilgamesh uh, not just Noah's Ark, but this was a story that was uh, at one point in time was a central uh, beings in one central area that dispersed from that area and that all took those stories with them about what happened. And obviously there are different takes and on the on all these things culturally as uh, time went on. But you can definitely look around and see the evidence that something actually did happen. Now, in Utah, they have whole layers of sediment where they have dinosaur footprints on the same layer as they have men's. I mean, on the same exact layer right next to one another. There are cave drawings of people using dinosaurs as farm animals, right? 
um, the the Bible talks about uh, to, in uh, in uh, Job. God says to Job, He said, "Where were you were when I made the behemoth and these things?" So you, you all of these things point to um, a time uh, of the earth that is not necessarily as old as they say it is, based on the things that they try to use to tell us that it is, such as carbon radio dating or paleontology. Or um, uh, 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 what is it when they study rocks? What do they call that? Um, oh, man, I'm going to lose my mind here. For well, I think we may come to find out that humanity is ancient. But we were there during that times where the sediments what, what, of what, humanity existing with dinosaurs. What, what I think, yeah, and, and I believe that completely. I, I think I think that the whole prehistory of like you're looking at the uh, the uh, the um, the Egy- Egyptian pyramids and all these things, which predate anything that most people think that they actually uh, belong to, because all of the water erosion. Um, we now know them to be a, what could have been uh, actually power sources when they were utilized in the very beginning because we were told what they were they were tombs right all of our lives growing up from a kid up we were told they were tombs for pharaohs no tombs they're they're not tombs but there are all sorts of alkalinity in them and whatnot and it showed that the nile river once flowed through them and they were used as power plants and i mean my mind was absolutely blown when they made a smaller working version of what we what what they actually would have did and the in the gold tips that were on each of the pyramids um actually connected electrically connected to one another it was it was, it was mind blowing it really was mind blowing well, there's, there's pyramids all over the world and uh i've heard that these were actually temples from past civilizations of humanity we just continue to self-destruct, just like the Mayans. They, if 2012 was supposed to be their fifth cycle, they didn't even make it. The reason why is that their moral character had declined to such a low level. And every time that happens in humanity, there's been probably nuclear wars where we've self-destructed, killed ourselves, to great plagues, ice ages, great floods all kinds of potential uh, destruction. And then the few survive and we start a new cycle of humanity. And, and that's what um, I believe Christ was talking about when he said the end of the age, right? So he wasn't talking about the world ending. He was talking about the end of that age. And uh, what I was talking about earlier was that the fact that they use, a geologist was the term I was looking for, I had to look it up. So when you go, uh, and, he, and, and Dave Reeves tells a story of a young man, he's with his dad, he's there at this show, and, they, and they're looking at dinosaur bones and old things, and the, he goes up to the geologist first and says, hey, uh, uh, doctor, how, how old is this rock? And the, and, and the scientist goes, well, well that's, uh, that's two million years old. And he goes, okay, wow. He says, how do you know that? And he said, because this dinosaur bone right here was found in that layer of rock. So we know that it's 2 million years old. He says, okay, great. Then he goes over to the paleontologist and he goes, he says, how old is that dinosaur bone? And he goes, it's about 2 million years old. He says, well, how do you know that? 
And he goes, well, because we found it in this, this layer of rock. So they really don't know is the, is the bottom line. The guy who ended up writing the book on radiocarbon dating that, that did this, his whole intention uh, for doing this was to set out to disprove God by proving, uh, by using science to prove the earth was much older and all, you know, he was, his whole intention was to disprove God. Just like science um, anymore today is, seems like its only mission is to disprove God. Whereas I say, um, just because you can explain how it happened doesn't mean God didn't do it. It's <laughs> just right. that simple. And that's going back to Karl Marx and their agenda to, you know, push atheism on people. And, and atheism is a religion. To, um, Whether or yeah, not they want to accept it, it's a religion. In the oceans to like fossils of fish and, and uh, sea life in the mountains, the continental shifts that have happened are that ancient where what was above water mm-hmm. was was before below water. So these mountains were actually under the ocean. Yeah, they have sea life found as high up as they found sea life on Kilimanjaro as well as Everest. Right. <laughs> so that's why, like, in the middle ocean, sometimes you'll see uh, evidence of ancient cities, uh, man-made structures. Oh, there. yeah. If you look off the coast of Florida, you'll see uh, portions of what they believe to be the Appia Road. This is the road the Romans were uh, building all around the world. And you see the, the, the actual road under the ocean going off into the distance. And it, it's pretty amazing because we don't know who built that road or you know where it came from or where it leads to. Well, there's so much we don't know. Yeah, prior civilizations. There's so much we don't know now. Let's talk about the cult of communism. They like to call them, they like to think of themselves as secularists and and intellectuals as if that there's no God involved in what they're doing, making them all more equal, making them all smarter. The, you know, the humanism, this whole thing, but it is a cult. Let's, let's talk about the cult of communism. Let's listen to this clip. Feuerbach was an early denier of God's existence. He believed that religion was no more than an understanding of the, quote, infinity of perception. That is to say, that people invented God by imagining their own abilities writ large. Feuerbach's theory shed some light on how communism emerged and spread. Advances in science, mechanization, material goods, medicine, and leisure created the impression that happiness is a function of material wealth. Therefore, any dissatisfaction must arise from social limitations. It seemed that with material advancement and social change, people would have the means to build a utopia without any need for God. This vision is the principal means by which people are lured, then initiated into the cult of communism. If, Feuerbach was if we look, didn't look God's at existence. anything else, if we didn't talk about any other clip and the rest of these clips, that would be the one right there that people need to pay attention to the most because that's exactly what they've done. They have tricked people into believing that the difference between happiness and sadness is the dollar bill. It's what you don't have. And the reason you're so unhappy is because you've been deprived by the haves. 
So the have-nots have to rise up against the haves in order to set things right. And this is that whole term equity, and this is why it's such a dirty word. It's a foul word. It's a synonym for theft. As far as I'm concerned, it is a synonym, a synonym for racism. It's a synonym for sexism. Let me explain. If you have 10 Asian, 10 Mexican, 10 black, 10 white, you know, all different races, and people were determining who would be the next leader, who would be, who would be the guy who's going to lead the country next, um, and that sort of thing, would we want to go with uh, the best candidate? Or would you say, hey, it's the black guy's turn or the Mexican's turn or whatever the case may be, instead of just stating who's the best guy for the job? The, the, the Supreme Court justice's appointment, uh, Jackson Brown, Joe Biden said out of his own mouth, I'm only going to consider a black woman. So does it necessarily mean just because she looks like somebody, does she have their best interest at heart? Is she the best person for the job? You know, these are the things that civil rights were founded upon. I mean, this is what Martin Luther King talked about over and over again. He says the content of the character, not the color of the skin. Well, they're turning that on its head, and they're forgetting about that. CRT teaches the exact opposite, and now they're looking for an assured outcome and not an opportunity. Why? Because it's not about white supremacy. It's not about white privilege or the things that they're talking about at all. Zero. What it really is right now is about liberal supremacy. You're not allowed to question things. Identity politics is at play. If you're not a part of the group you're criticizing, you're not allowed to criticize it. Cancel culture keeps you from talking about the issues to which you really need to be talking about, but they have made it so taboo for you to do that. They go after jobs. They go after you on the Internet. They demonize you any way that they possibly can, and they get the support of, the left-wing media, who never seems to retract stories, but they re report irresponsibly on a consistent basis on anyone that opposes their agenda. I mean, look at, uh, I'll give you a, a, an example. Kyle Rittenhouse was an amazing example of that. Irresponsible reporting by people in the media who could have gotten this young man's life taken from him when he did nothing wrong. He bought the gun legally. He was in the state legally. He was in the state limits that he bought the gun in. He was over the correct age that he needed. The rifle length was longer than it needed to be for it to be legal. He was not there during an anti-protest. He was there to hand out water and render aid to people who needed it. His only crime, according to the left, is that he brought a gun. Imagine what would have happened to him if he didn't bring the gun. That's tantamount to me like saying... That girl wouldn't have gotten raped if she wasn't dressed that way. Really? Is Or your house, if you wouldn't have bought the house on that block, you wouldn't have got robbed. Maybe you shouldn't have owned that house so it wouldn't have got robbed. So they turn it around and make the person uh, being uh, uh, accosted, the person that is on the other end of, of receiving a beating that just protected himself, they make him to be the enemy. And, and they did it so much so that they were willing to stick up for what turned out to be a child molester and a woman beater in the process, where the two people he ended up, where well, he actually ended up shooting three people, but all three of them were career criminals, and one was a pedophile. <laughs> These are the people they defend. They, they didn't care that the guy was defending his own life. So this is what I mean by irresponsible reporting. They're no longer in this game to tell the truth. 
They're in it for ratings, and they're in it to push an agenda. I venture to say a lot of the people that we think of as journalists are not journalists at all. What they are are plants put in journalist uh, positions to push an agenda. I I use this one as, as an example all the time. Alexa, is Anderson Cooper a CIA agent? Listen. Apparently, Anderson Cooper worked at the CIA. Anderson Cooper worked for the CIA for the longest time before becoming an anchor at CNN. That's a fact. The CIA got caught implementing a program or or an operation called Mockingbird a long time ago where they said they were going to infiltrate the press and basically repeat the same lies over and over again to the point where people uh, would fall for whatever propaganda or lie that they were pushing. And they got caught doing it and said they disbanded the program. But when you turn from NBC to ABC to CBS to wherever, they're reading the same script. They're all saying the same thing at the same time the same way. If you you hear a catchphrase on ABC, turn to NBC two minutes later, you're going to hear it again. Because they all got their script from the same place. My question is, who's writing the script? <laughs> who's who's behind the curtain? Who, who are the guys? If I were Trump and I get back in office, my first line of business would not be all the people in the FBI that I need to look at. Trust me, I'm going there too. But the first line of business is going to be fixing the press and getting it back to being a free press. I'm going to investigate CNN, who openly on camera said they lied because they knew the Russia hoax was a hoax, and they knew they didn't want Trump to win the election. So they had an agenda, and it was good ratings, so they didn't want to change it. So they knowingly and willingly lied and admitted it on camera and kept their FCC license. This kind of thing Teddy, needs to the stop. the office is closing, so I'm going to have to go. We'll have to finish this up. Oh, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, uh, Nat, we, we will do this as part one of this, and we will okay. finish it, and we'll come back to it. Thank you for taking the time and coming on, and thanks for the Epic Times for letting them use, letting you use their facility to do this. All yeah, right, absolutely. And we'll just sign off. So, uh, the silent majority, you already know, you need to stop being silent and stand your ground. We'll see you next time on the Patriots Prayer. We'll see you again next time. Nate. Goodbye now. Have a good one.